Last week, we were actually in the lion's den talking about what happened when Daniel was in the lion's den. And today, we're going to look at something else. And each week, I've tried to just say just a few things about Daniel's attitude while there in Babylon. Now, just to give you a little bit of background, Daniel was one of those as a young man that was transported uh, out of Jerusalem to Babylon when King Nebuchadnezzar took over the land. Jeremiah was the prophet in the land, in Israel, when this took place. And Jeremiah was quite a bit older uh, than Daniel was when they left, but he was still the acknowledged prophet of the land. And Jeremiah did not go to Babylon. And one thing that I'm amazed about Daniel, first of all, we talked about how he forgave King Nebuchadnezzar so he could serve him. And then we talked about how he believed that this was his calling in life. He believed that. But he also was beyond that even. And that was he did not complain. I don't know if you've ever read the book of Daniel and just realized he never complained. Now how would you and I feel and how would we react if a foreign nation came over here, conquered America, and took you and your family captive over to a foreign land, first of all, you wouldn't like it. It would not be enjoyable. And I, I read through the book of Daniel, and I'm thinking, okay, Daniel, you forgave Nebuchadnezzar. You believed that God was leading you, but at least you could complain about it a little bit. A little bit, and yet there's really not even a hint that he complained. And I always ask myself, what was it that gave Daniel his perspective? Because I've learned perspective changes everything. Y'all have noticed that? And if you have the wrong perspective, you complain. Do y'all have any friends who complain about everything? Let me see if you have any friends like that. Be careful, don't point at them. Oh, I see somebody going like that, you know. No, don't do that. Don't, don't embarrass them. Uh, but complaining is, is like a disease. It really is. Because what I've learned about people that complain is they, they complain about a situation, and then if that situation is fixed or solved, they move right over to a new situation where they complain about that. And if you fix that, they'll move to another situation and they'll complain about that. And you know, one thing I've learned about complainers, they gather around them friends who do the same thing. So they can all sit around and have their favorite pastime <laughs> to complain about everything. So I want to encourage you, be like Daniel. And you say, okay, that sounds great. Be like Daniel, don't complain. But how did he do that? Where did he get that perspective? Well, actually, we can read the Word, and we can find out where he got that. 
I want you to turn with me in Daniel chapter 9. We're going to read the first four verses of chapter 9. Watch this. It was the first year of the reign of Darius the Mede, son of Hasherius, who became king of the Babylonians. During the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, learned from reading the word of the Lord as revealed to Jeremiah the prophet. Remember, they were contemporaries. So he read what Jeremiah wrote. As revealed to Jeremiah the prophet that Jerusalem must lie desolate for 70 years. So I turned to the Lord and I pleaded with him in prayer and fasting. I also wore rough burlap and sprinkled myself with ashes. I prayed to the Lord my God and confessed, Oh Lord, you are great and awesome God. You always fulfill your covenant and keep your promises of unfailing love to those who love you and obey your commands. And he goes on, and the the prayer continues of confessing his sin and confessing the sin of his nation. But he's keyed in on something. He read in Jeremiah that Jeremiah had spoken the word of the Lord And that the word of the Lord was that the nation of Israel would be held captive by the Babylonians, King Nebuchadnezzar. Jeremiah even prophesied who was going to come in and take over the land. And he said that it would happen and that Israel would be held captive for 70 years. It's kind of interesting. You go back to Jeremiah and read the whole thing. Go back to about chapter 26, 27, 28. It's kind of interesting because there are a bunch of false prophets that prophesy, oh, everything's going to be okay. <laughs> Nebuchadnezzar's not going to do what, Jer- what Jeremiah says. And then after they, he made the first uh, attack in there and took away a bunch of people, Hananiah the prophet started saying, this is going to be over in a short time, and everybody that has been taken to Babylon is going to come back, and it's all going to be fine in a short period of time. And Jeremiah said, no, that's not going to happen. And in fact, he said, God is going to kill you within a year because you have prophesied falsely. And he did. He died that year, a few months later. So that was the word of the Lord. I want you to see what Jeremiah said, and we're going to look in chapter 29, and it gives you an understanding of why Daniel had the attitude and the perspective that he did. Let's go back to Jeremiah 29, and let's read it. This is what the Lord of heaven's armies, the king, the God of Israel, says to the captives. He has exiled to Babylon from Jerusalem. So this is literally a letter from Jeremiah written to the captives in Babylon. Build homes, plan to stay. Plant gardens and eat the food they produce. Marry and have children. Then find spouses for them so that you may have many grandchildren. Multiply, do not dwindle away. That's that's a word from the Lord. And I loved verse 7. And work for the peace and the prosperity of the city where I sent you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it. For its welfare will determine your welfare. Don't complain about 
where you're going to be. Don't complain about the captivity. But instead, work and pray and build and do everything you can to see that the place where I have you prospers. Because as that place prospers, you will prosper. That's a word to the Lord to all of us. Wherever God has you, God will bless you and prosper you. You can complain about where God has you. Or you can say, I'm going to prosper. And I'm going to work for and pray for the prosperity of where God has me. And he goes on. Let's look at that. Verse 8. This is what the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel says. Do not let your prophets and fortune tellers who are with you in the land of Babylon trick you. Do not listen to their dreams. Because they are, not, they are telling you lies in my name. I have not sent them, says the Lord. This is what the Lord says, you will be in Babylon for 70 years. Then I will come and do for you all the good things I have promised. I will bring you home again. For I know the plans for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. In those days when you pray, I will listen. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. No wonder he said, Build homes there. Marry. Find husbands and wives for your children. Prosper where you are. Don't plan on going home. In a real sense, there was nothing to go home to. Jerusalem was desolated. The walls were down. The temple was destroyed. There was no Israel. And so Jeremiah said, Make the best of where I have you and prosper. And then the day's going to come after 70 years that I'm going to remember my promise and I'm going to restore Jerusalem and I'm going to restore the nation of Israel. And what's amazing here is that Daniel one day was sitting down and started adding up and thought about the first year, 605 B.C., he got the calculator out and figured out that if, okay, we were taken in 605 B.C., then he looked ahead, and it had been almost 70 years when this is written in chapter 9 of Daniel. Daniel's an old man. He's almost 80 years old. And he believed God's word was true. He believed God's promise was true. So he began to fast and pray and seek God's face and, and repent for the sin of his nation and bring to remembrance God's promise to restore Israel. No, that's amazing. God puts it on the heart of one person, Daniel, to pray for the restoration of his nation. And he heard him. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Daniel did a lot of things, but Daniel was a man of prayer. And we can learn some things about the prayers that he prayed. The very first thing I have to say about 
the prayer that he prayed, and that is God's timing is important. Say that with me. God's timing is important. In your life, timing is important. Things happen at a certain time for a certain reason. You can get out of God's timing and then get mad and upset because things are not happening, but it may be out of God's timing. The answer to the prayer may may be out of God's timing. You know, look at that verse, Jeremiah 29, verse 12. Maybe we went over it quickly, but look at that. Think about what he said in verse 12. In those days when you pray, I will listen. Do you see the timing involved? What if he had prayed the year before, or two years before, or three years before? Well, it wasn't time yet. The 70 years weren't finished. God said, in those days, through Jeremiah, he said, in those days, in that 70th year, if you will pray, I will listen. And the same thing throughout the Word of God, timing is essential. Jesus came at a certain time in a certain year because it was the time for Jesus to be born in the earth. I believe in Galatians chapter 4, verse 4, it says, But when the time, when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a a woman, subject to the law. At the right time, God moves. And I just want to encourage you today to be open to God's time. When you pray, Would you agree that Jesus is your Lord when you you pray? Would you agree with that? Okay. If he is your Lord, isn't he also, aren't you also submitted to his timing? If he's Lord? So when you pray and he is Lord, then you also agree, Lord, your timing is better than my timing. Because we don't have the perspective that God has. You know, we want God to do something. We want God to answer a prayer. You need to just, okay, you're looking at it from your perspective. I need God to do this certain thing. But what if God has bigger plans than just answering your prayer? What if God wants to touch this person, and he wants to touch this person, and he wants to move upon this area, and he wants to change this area? God has many things he wants to do in the answer to your prayer, and so he holds off so that the timing is right. When he answers that prayer, God will accomplish a whole lot more than what we even realize. And so you have to understand your perspective is I need God to do what I need him to do. And we tend to think a little selfish. And we say, Lord, if you don't mind, do it right now. I'll be patient as long as you'll do it right now. I don't mind being patient, but if you would just hurry up, that would be great. But, you know, you don't don't hurry God. Because... Prayer is not intended to change God's mind about doing something. 
Prayer is to come into agreement with his plan and his will and his timing. And for him to do what he wants to do in the first place. So Daniel sensed God's timing. He, he saw it. He added it up. And he said, hey, it's 70 years. <laughs> this is time. The prophet Jeremiah spoke it. I believe God meant it. I'm going to pray and seek God's face. And that brings us to the second point, and that is God hears our prayers. When you pray, do you believe God hears your prayers? Do you believe He answers your prayers? Excuse me. Do you believe He hears your prayers even when you don't see an answer? That's important. I want you to look what happened. Chan, uh, Daniel 9, we're going to pick up with verse 19. We're going to go down to 23. Oh, Lord, hear. Oh, Lord, forgive. Oh, Lord, listen and act for your own sake. Do not delay. Oh, my God, for your people and your city, bear your name. I went on praying and confessing my sin and the sin of my people, pleading with the Lord for my God, for Jerusalem, his holy mountain. As I was praying, Gabriel, whom I had seen in the earlier vision, came swiftly to me at the time of the evening sacrifice. He explained to me, Daniel, I have come here to give you insight and understanding. And I love this. The moment you begin praying, a command was given. <laughs> Don't tell me God doesn't hear your prayer. From the moment you began to pray, a command was given. And now I am here to tell you what it was, for you are very precious to God. Listen carefully so that you can understand the meaning of your vision. God hears our prayers. When Daniel prayed, he believed God was hearing his prayer. God is well pleased when you believe that he hears your prayer. God responds to the faith that you have to believe that he is a God who hears. And that you are not swayed or discouraged because you don't see the answer. In this particular case, God sent Gabriel almost immediately. In a moment, we're going to see another prayer where the answer is not quite so quick. So sometimes the answer is quick, sometimes it's not. But what we need to see, and that is that God hears our prayer. And for me, it's the understanding that you are praying according to God's will, God's plan. Daniel believed that. He believed it was God's will to deliver his nation because the 70 years was up. He read it. From the prophet Jeremiah, he believed God was always true, so he prayed according to God's will, and God heard his prayer. Look at 1 John chapter 5, verse 14 and 15. Now, this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, what happens? He hears us. So, it, to me, the great emphasis there is we need to learn to pray according to his will. And if we know that he hears us, 
Whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. So we spend time in prayer finding out his plan and way for God to move and what God wants to do. And and I know a lot of people see prayer as convincing God to do what you need God to do. God, I need the the job. I need you to change my wife. I need you to change my daughter. I need you to change my husband. I need you to, we, we have all these things we need God to do. And we think that prayer is us convincing God to get on the job. But that's not prayer. Prayer is not changing God. Prayer, it does several things. It changes us to learn how to pray according to His will. It changes other people. Because truly, God can change the hearts of other people through prayer. When you, if you said anything, you'd mess it up. But through prayer, God can change hearts. And He can also change circumstances. So, when we pray, we're praying, Father, show me how to pray. Show me how I need to see this thing. Lord, give me your timing, but also, Lord, direct my prayer, direct my heart, change my attitude, change my perspective so that I'll understand your plan and your will and your desire for my life. And I've done that several times when you start praying one way, and then all of a sudden you pray and you keep praying. Now, I'm one of those that I like to pray and keep praying. There are some who would say, pray one time, that's it, don't ever pray again. I, I don't buy that. I believe you ask and keep on asking. I believe you seek and keep on seeking. I believe you knock and keep on knocking. And the reason is, is because God brings further light and revelation as we continue to seek His plan. When someone says, oh, I'm just going to pray one time and that's it, or anything else is a lack of faith. I think that's a little overestimation of your prayer because your prayer may be wrong. Your prayer may be asking amiss when you start out. But if you will continue to pray, God will direct you to pray the right way and have his heart, not your heart. So God hears our prayers Third thing I want us to see, and that is the answer to our prayers are not always immediate. Would you agree with that? Now, let's just, I I want to back up just a minute. The answer to his prayer of restoring the nation of Israel didn't happen immediately. Gabriel was sent immediately. But Gabriel came and gave him the understanding of what was we call the 70 weeks. And we're going to be talking about that in a couple of weeks. We're going to, we're going to be kind of trying to understand that, that vision of the 70 weeks. But God led Daniel to pray for the restoration of Jerusalem and his nation. And it, I guess the best way to say this, it set into motion the things that needed to happen for the nation to be restored. And it wasn't long. Before Cyrus. Makes an amazing. 
decision. The king, Cyrus, makes a declaration. They write it out, posted, and that is all of Israel can return home. And he sends funds to allow things to be restored. How about that for a foreign king? <laughs> to finance the Jerusalem to be restored and the wall to be rebuilt and then the, this temple to be restored. And of course, Nehemiah, you remember, he was the guy that helped build the wall and then Ezra was the one that helped build the temple and, and Israel was restored. And it all started with Daniel. God used Daniel while he was in Babylon to restore his nation, and he used him in prayer. He used him in fasting and prayer and seeking God and humility and turning from the sin of the nation because he trusted that God's word through Jeremiah was a true word. And I don't know about you, but my heart was encouraged as I, remind, I was reminded that God turned a nation around through the prayers of one person. I want to tell you folks, we have a nation that needs to be turned around. I had somebody the other day say they were so discouraged. They were talking bad about both presidential candidates. And they were, oh, I'm so tired of this. I'm just sick and tired of the whole thing, you know. And I, I just gave up praying. I, I've, just, I've given up. And I just want to say to you. This is not a time to give up praying. Oh, my goodness. This next 60 days, this is the most critical time in the history of our nation. It really is. This is not a time to roll over and say, I'm tired of it all. This is a time to be like Daniel, to plead and cry out and beseech the throne of God and cry out for our nation to turn back to him and that God would work his plan and his will, that we as a nation would return to him, that our nation be, would be restored. If God can restore the nation of Israel through the prayers of Daniel, God can restore our nation as we seek his face and pray and turn to him and say oh God turn our nation once again back to you God can do that do not be one of those who would give up and get discouraged sometimes our prayers are hindered the devil's real we're going to see it right here in the next chapter Daniel chapter 10 in the third year of the reign of King Cyrus of Persia. Interesting. Iran, Persia. Yes, this is the one who later, not long after this, declares all of Israel can go back. All the captives can go back. But look what happened. In the third year of the reign of King Cyrus of Persia, Daniel, also known as Belteshazzar, had another vision. He understood that the vision concerned events certain to happen in the future, times of war and great hardship. When this vision came to me, I, Daniel, had been in mourning for three whole weeks. At that time, I'd eaten no rich food, no meat or wine had crossed my lips. I used no fragrant lotions until those three weeks had passed. In other words, he was fasting and praying and seeking God. 
Only I, Daniel, saw this vision. The men with me saw nothing. But they were suddenly terrified and ran away to hide. So I was left there all alone to see this amazing vision. My strength left me. My face grew deathly pale and I felt very weak. Then I heard the man speak. When I heard the sound of his voice, I fainted and lay down there with my face to the ground. I'm thinking he's scared. Just then a hand touched me and lifted me, still trembling, to my hands and knees. And the man said to me, watch this, Daniel, you are very precious to God. So listen carefully to what I have to say to you. Stand up. For I've been sent to you. When he said this to me, I stood up still trembling. Then he said, don't be afraid, Daniel. Since the first day you begin to pray for understanding and to humble yourself before God, your request has been heard in heaven and I have come and answer to your prayer. Very similar to what we read in Daniel chapter 9. Remember? He prayed, and it says from the very first moment that he prayed, the command was given to give the answer, and Gabriel got there and gave him the answer. But now look what happened. But for 21 days, the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia blocked my way. Then Michael, one of the archangels, came to help me. And I left him there with the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia. Now, I'm here to explain what will happen to your people in the future. For this vision concerns a time yet to come. So that's why I said, our prayers are not always answered immediately. Because there is a real devil... There are real demonic powers and principalities. And those demonic powers and principalities want to discourage you and keep you from praying. Why do they want to keep you from praying? He wants to delay the answer as long as he can so that you might give up. You might get discouraged and you might stop praying. What if Daniel had stopped praying on the 20th day? What if he had stopped on the 19th day? Most likely, Gabriel would not have made it to him. And he would have not gotten his answer. I'm just going to paint a picture for you. When you have believing prayer, it sets into motion spiritual warfare in another dimension that we cannot see. And the angels of God are empowered to fight for you. But the devil sends his demonic powers and principalities that are also looking to stop those prayers from being prayed. Or those keep you from praying and those answers from coming now 
I'm going to admit, I'm talking about something I can't see. But I can see from the Word that this goes on. There are spiritual powers and principalities at war around us, and a key to the success of those powers and principalities going in the way of the kingdom of God is your believing prayer. But what if you give up? What if you say, huh? I hadn't seen an answer to this prayer. And I get discouraged, and I don't see anything, and I don't know if anything's going to happen. I'm just going to, this is not worth it. It is your believing prayer that strengthens and gives power and might to the spiritual powers and principalities that are working on behalf of God's kingdom. So I encourage you. Don't give up. Don't give up. Say that with me. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't ever give up. When it comes to prayer, don't give up. Do you feel like giving up? Sometimes. Yeah. I feel like giving up sometimes. But don't. Just because you feel it doesn't mean you have to do it. This is where you persevere, you press in, you continue to do what you know you need to do because you need to do it because it is right and it is God's plan and you keep praying. You don't have to do everything you feel. You don't have to give in just because you feel like giving in. You can Continue to do the right thing even when your emotions are telling you to do something else. You are not emotional beings. We are kingdom of God, spirit, Holy Spirit led people of God who are led by the Holy Spirit of God. You're not emotion led beings. Shouldn't be. So I encourage you, don't give up. Galatians 6, 9. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time. I like it. At just the right, say that. At just the right time. At just the right time. We will reap a harvest of blessing if we what? Don't give up. Don't give up. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 15 through 18. All of this is for your benefit. And as God's grace reaches more and more people, there will be great thanksgiving and God will receive more and more glory. And this is why we what? Never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. Sometimes we have to get kingdom-minded. Sometimes we have to start thinking eternity-minded and not the bills that have to be paid and and the pain of my air conditioner not working and, and why does my car break down? Sometimes we have to realize these things are small and unimportant and insignificant compared to the eternal principles of the kingdom of God. So, we don't look at our troubles. 
Are we looking at our troubles? I always like to think that I'm looking through them. It's not a denial of what's there. You know, I've had people, well, I believe and confess that I don't have this problem. Ah, That's a bunch of baloney. (laughs) Denying doesn't do you a bit of good. But you don't have to focus on them. You don't have to sit there and be obsessed with your problems and troubles. And I, I just think I look right through them. Right through them. They're of no consequence. Because God's bigger, He's greater, and He's faithful. You just look right through them. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last how long? Forever. So begin to fix your eyes on eternal things. And the key is you can't give up. Now the enemy's working full time to get you to give up. He doesn't want you praying. He doesn't want you to keep praying. Powerful verse. You've heard it before. Isaiah chapter 40 verse 31. It says, but those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like ease. They they will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. I like it. Now, that's not always the way I feel. (laughs) Sometimes I don't feel like a new eagle. (laughs) I feel like a plucked turkey. (laughs) But, But I'm a plucked turkey that's receiving strength in the name of Jesus. And as I was reading, as you read on in chapter 10 of Daniel, I tell you, what happened to him here, it really witnessed to my heart. I want you to read it. Daniel 10. While he was speaking to me, I looked down at the ground unable to say a word. Then the one who looked like a man touched my lips. And I opened my mouth and began to speak. And I said to the one standing in front of me, I am filled with anguish because of the vision I have seen my Lord, and I am very weak. How many of you have ever been there before? I am full of anguish, and I can't even talk. How can someone like me, your servant, talk to to you, my Lord? My strength is gone. I can hardly breathe. I love this. Then the one who looked like a man touched me again. I felt my strength returning. Don't be afraid, he said. This this should be familiar. Remember when he said it before? For you are very precious to God. Peace. Be encouraged. Be strong. And as he spoke these words to me, I suddenly felt stronger and said to him, Please speak to me, my Lord, for you have strengthened me. Do it some more, Lord. He touched him, and as he spoke to him, strength, encouragement, peace came. And I thought to myself, 
we go through things in life, difficult things in life, and there are no answers, there are no solutions. The only thing can really help us is that He touches us. And he would touch us. And many of us have felt like Daniel. Lord, I'm so weak. I, I don't know what I'm going to do. I can't even talk. I can't even speak, Lord. And so he just touched him. And then he began to speak words of encouragement, peace. Be encouraged. You're very precious. And that's what God wants to do to so many of you today. Some of you here today, you're at that place in your life where you feel abandoned, discouraged. You haven't seen the answer that you need. You haven't seen the answer that you desire. There's only one solution, folks. You need His touch. Sometimes only. His touch, His words can give you the encouragement that you need. As I was reading this yesterday, I just said, Lord, come and touch your people. I know a lot of people here today are hurting. Hurting from the loss of someone so tragically taken, but also hurting financially hurting because some of you have loved ones who are not walking with the Lord hurting because someone walked away from you hurting because you feel abandoned hurting because you're lonely discouraged Jesus Jesus said come to me all ye who are heavy laden and I'll give you rest he wants to touch you. Because only He can touch you. Some people in here, you've been abandoned. But He walked away from you. That hurts to be abandoned, to be rejected. But God can love on you and forgive you, encourage you, and strengthen you. And He can restore everything the enemy's taken from you. God wants to restore. He is a God who touches His people. And I was reminded once again as I read this passage in Daniel 10 how that He wants to say to you, you are very precious to Him. And He loves you. I'm going to ask you if you'd just stand to your feet. If you're one of those battered, bruised, beaten up people, abandoned, discouraged, and you need his touch, I'm just going to ask you to make your way to the front. We're going to believe for a touch of the Holy Spirit upon our life. Oh, Holy Spirit, we come to you in the precious name of Jesus, Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus, we come to you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, we believe that you're, you're still a God who touches your people. You're a God who helps the brokenhearted. 
You're a God who brings strength to those who feel like they have no strength. You're a God who encourages the discouraged. Those who have been abandoned, those who feel empty and lost. Lord, you are the only solution. You're the only answer. We're going to sing it. Lord, we're waiting for you. Waiting here for you With our hands lifted high In praise And it's you We adore touch of the Holy Spirit. God would strengthen you. We just invite you to come. We're going to believe God in a moment for his touch. That he would be a God who would touch his people. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. You're a God who comforts those who are hurting. And Lord, there are those today that feel like they've lost everything. But Lord, you're a God who restores all things. And I just want to speak. I'm not exactly sure who I'm speaking to, but the Lord wants you to understand and know that even though you feel like everything has been lost, the Lord wants you to know that He's a God who restores all things. He is a God who restores all things. As you trust Him 
and lean on him and rely upon him. He's a God who restores. He never wastes anything. All things are used according to his plan and his will that the kingdom of God would be strengthened and encouraged, built up in every situation. Lord, we cry out to you, Lord. Lord, I read here in Daniel 10 where you came and you, you, you reached out and you touched people who were hurting. You touched Daniel. And Lord, physically, I know, I guess it's impossible, but Lord, I just ask you to touch them right now. Those who have come to the front, I ask you to touch them, Lord. And speak. Speak, O oh Lord. The Lord says, peace. You are very precious to him. He cares about you. He loves you. He has a plan and a purpose for your life. He has not abandoned you. He has not forsaken you. All is not lost. You have not lost everything. God cares about you. For his plans for you are good and not evil. He has a plan for you to prosper you and to bless you. Thank you, Lord, for speaking to your people, for touching your people, Lord. Healing the hurting. Reminding us once again that you're a God who restores. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.